Welcome to Biblical Perspectives brought to you by the Ecumenical Catholic Church of Christ. Join your host, Father Dr. Tom Roberts, for discussions about the Bible and related conversations about theology, spirituality, and more. Greetings and welcome to today's broadcast. I'm your host, Father Dr. Tom Roberts. We are at our first anniversary working with a new and wonderful production company. Father Martin and his associates in the wonderful state of Texas will be working with myself and the ecumenical Catholic Church in general to produce programs as well as other media extravaganzas to be announced at a future date. We also want to upload a particular website so people can go and download the broadcast if they would like to listen to it a second time. So we really do love and appreciate the efforts of Father Marty and his compatriots down in the wonderful Lone Star State. Have you ever wondered, is the claim true that there was an early church apostasy? Many restorational groups today try to uphold that position. They base it on statements in Second Thessalonians that talk about a falling away, and in First Thessalonians, obviously, chapter 5 would be another consideration about the restrainer actually holding back evil forces from taking over the people of God. Now, before we go much further, a lot of these prophecies that he should come and occupy the throne were in reference to Titus and who would set up a rule from the throne and would dominate a tremendous amount of dictatorial power over the people of God. Well, that's what Paul was warning about. And the church as a witness would be the restrainer that would keep Titus from coming to power. So there is a falling away. There cannot be a restoration, said Paul, unless there is a falling away first. Some denominations like to take that verse and run, run, run with it through the mulberry bush. Hugh Nibley, an LDS scholar, 
felt there was a time when the lights went out and not the lights went out in Georgia, as Vicki Lawrence used to sing back in 1971. But the lights went out as in regards to the Christian tradition and therefore an apostasy from a false church would take its place after the demise of the Hebrew religion and it being taken by the 10th Roman legion away and the destruction of the temple as a result. And you say, well, Father Tom wasn't there warnings about apostasy. Absolutely. Tacitus wrote about it. Many other church fathers, such as Eusebius of Caesarea, wrote about such a phenomenon, as well as biblical writers themselves. But then you say, Father, well, doesn't that pretty well prove it? Well, what kind of an apostasy took place? Some religions say, well, just the loss of priesthood happened. There was not the loss of the overall gospel. And I tend to go down some of those particular roads of thinking. However, let's use a little bit of caution. Number one, the term priest itself, especially in the Hebrew structure, means to draw near to God. It was always God's will to have a priesthood nation. So let's understand it from that particular point of view. Number two, apostolic priesthood was never totally lost. It would be commingled and confusing at times because the traditions would crisscross from east to west, from Peter to the Twelve Apostles, and of course, don't forget Thomas over there in India with the Church of the East where 50 million martyrs were slain for the gospel. That is hardly an apostasy. The martyrs, which are spoken about from the Greek word maturea, really means a testimony given with your death to show the truth which would make you free during this life. A much desired place to be in God's scheme and honor of the faithful. So once again, it is 
the opposite of an apostasy, to be a martyr for the truth of God was the highest possible duty of any Christian in the early church. Tacitus said there were so many who were coming into the early church that the Holy Spirit could not even count them all, and they would just come in in droves and receive visions and ongoing revelation. However, there were a lot of movements to stop the movements of the Holy Spirit during the early church age. Dutch scholar Van Unick suggests this was the reason the flow of the continuing revelation was extinguished because of the fact that many competing groups, we had later the Valentinians, the Donatists, and many others who won dominance over the early church. And according to Van Unick, this is what actually killed a lot of the early spiritual development where the kingdom of God was expected to take place at almost any moment. So isn't that interesting? In his work Against Heresies, Irenaeus talked about competing points of doctrine from Docetics that later we would call Gnostics, and he would call it a heresy because they wanted to take the literal meaning out of Scripture and allegorize it and spiritualize it to such a degree the primary meaning was lost. And as this primary meaning was to be lost, then what you had was the school of Philo. Allegorical in form, Scripture became. In other words, because what would later become the Gnostics, they didn't believe that reality was spiritual, but that the world was evil and the body was evil. Valentinius and others ran with this in similar directions. But isn't it sad to think that to this very day, Christianity has, of course, adopted some of the Gnostic philosophy. Just open up a hymn book, and you see hymns like, Shine, Jesus, shine. Do you hear the Gnosticism in that statement? Well, shine and light are not bad phrases in and of themselves. But it's when we begin to adopt a pseudo-spirituality that takes away 
the plain and the precious things that the Jews understood to be contained in God's word. A wonderful passage here that we should consider. And it's found in Titus chapter 2. And I'm quoting here from the New Jerusalem version. You see, God's grace has revealed to save the whole human race. I thought it was just our church, our group, you might add. But that isn't what it says. It has been taught in us that we should give up everything contrary to true religion. Now, James discusses that, does he not? About pure and undefiled religion or religion. That religion, if it's God-based, seeks true religion by turning people to God, not to just merely a denomination or abominations as we call them today. And I'm saying that a little tongue-in-cheek here. Looking for an affordable online school that offers biblical, theological, and liturgical education to prepare you for social justice and ministry? St. Anthony's Liturgical House of Studies has the solution. Visit stanthonysliturgicalhouse.org for a current listing of programs and courses and to register today. Another interesting thing to note here, that our religion lives in the present world waiting for the hope of the blessed Lord, which will come with himself in order to ransom, which was a very early understanding of the atonement or redemption, was that a price, a bridal price, if you will, was paid for our redemption. And that's how much we are really worth to God, which frees us from all our faults, and to purify a people with his very own eager to do good. This is why you must say encouraging or arguing with full authority that no one should depose you. In other words, listen to what that verse is saying. Don't let anyone in the church depose you. This is the truth. Defend it. Preach it. That Christ, in order to ransom us from all our faults and impurities, is so a people can be purified. Isn't that interesting? So how do we get rid of our faults? And this is not personal faults as much as it is sins that keep us from the covenant. So let's 
put that in proper perspective. And it talks about arguing with full authority. Argue for the gospel. There's a great misunderstanding today in one of my communities of faith that says we don't have to do apologetics to defend God's truth. And that's not what this verse says here. It doesn't mean we go around apologizing for God, making fun of the term apologia, to answer one's faith as if we were in a courtroom. But we should be pressed down, shaken down, that we have an answer that is ready for other people to prayerfully consider due to our witness. That is the point that's being raised here. And this will keep you from apostatizing from God. Now, I said earlier that the term apostasy means to just simply fall from grace, fall from God. The term priest means to draw near to God. So what we are saying is that there is not just one priesthood that has some superhuman hands that are superior to all other communities of faith. What we are saying is the power of the priesthood is in his people. Did you hear it? And when the people allow false doctrines, false teachers to come in and say that Jesus did not come in the flesh, as First John declares in chapter 5, verses 2 to the end of the chapter, no, it's not talking about uh, Jesus' first coming uh, in the flesh. As Garner Ted Armstrong and others used to say, it's talking about docetism and Gnostic teachings that the flesh isn't even real because the Gnostics said that if the Messiah were to walk in the snow, he would not leave any human footprints. This is the teaching that our beloved John passed through Polycarp to the elders. And of course, there was a letter to Anicetus and others later on in Asia Minor that talked about what the original faith of Jesus looked like. It's interesting if we just back off of our own denominational baggage and deal with apostolic secession for just a moment. There's no perfect history, but neither was there a time when Christianity was totally blotted out. 
for the gates of hell should never prevail against the church, our Lord said. It is also interesting to note that the power of the priesthood was largely historically removed from the overall population of the church and was given to a few. Now, when there are problems in the line of a priest or a bishop or an archbishop, they do in the orthodox circles a healing of the lines. They go back and they try to check who from Peter or Paul or Apollos or Clement or Thomas in India or, you know, Andrew or Philip over in the Coptic areas of Egypt. And they try to go back and it takes three bishops uh, to consecrate here another bishop with generally a metropolitan uh, overseeing the healing of the lines process. But still, once the healing of the lines has taken place, then full priesthood power is indeed restored. Now you can say that's a liturgical practice. Uh, What does that have to do with restoring primitive Christianity to the world? Well, number one, can't all of us draw near to God as individuals called by his spirit? Absolutely. Later in this passage here of Titus, it says, remind them to be obedient to the officials of authority to be ready to do good at every opportunity, not to go on slandering other people, but to be peaceable, gentle, always polite to people of all kinds. Wow, that is a loaded passage. We certainly do not hear that echoed in today's political climate. It also says, do not be enslaved by passions and disputations. And it talks about, we did that when we lived with wickedness and malice. And then he talks about being hateful. And, of course, in other New Testament passages, it talks about men shall be lovers of their own selves. In contrast to the verse I just read. Don't you think our culture today needs some self-restraint and to live uprightly and to live a righteous life in this present world 
and that can be very hard to do. Until we wait for the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Are you, my listeners, caught up in the politics of this world that are right now in the United States so ugly? Even though we have a Mueller investigation that is being shared with Congress this week, oftentimes the other side of an issue wants to see the rest of those who disagree with them actually get buried. We want to see evil sometimes come down on the side of those we feel are doing wrong. There's a great deal of corruption in Washington these days. There was at the time of Teapot Dome and Watergate. But that doesn't mean that God's people should back down from being a real witness during this hour of crisis. No, the crisis we see is a drying up of God's spirit, of tenderness, in disputations, the ability to see it from someone else's point of view. Pride and arrogance keeps people from considering anything they do not feel to be right from their own point of view. As God's people were to be willing to move in any direction of truth that we can possibly engage in. And when the world sees that fairness and that objectivity that Titus recorded, well, that's going to change men's hearts if we would only do it. Pride begets pride. Arrogance begets a similar reaction. Humility and concern for others, even though they've hurt us, is a direction that we need to move in, to forgive others. And that doesn't mean we don't hold others and ourselves to accountability. But it means we don't reach out to change others. We ask God to change us. The early church had such maxims they believed in. Today, we've all but lost sight. These things are for the people of God. Let's take them to the world and not be ashamed and not apostatize from God and accept religious concepts that we know are wrong. But let's draw near to God and to teach others to do the same. 
This is Father Tom Roberts saying thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to this week's Biblical Perspectives program. Tune in to the program next Thursday on WBCQ as Father Dr. Tom Roberts continues his discussion about the biblical-related topics. For more information about Biblical Perspectives and the Ecumenical Catholic Church of Christ, visit ecumenicalcccc.org. If you happen to be in the Los Angeles or Detroit areas, please be sure to visit the Cathedral of the Archangels and Seraphim Ecumenical Catholic Church of Christ and the Cathedral of St. Anthony. To leave a comment, to support the program, or to learn more about Biblical Perspectives, St. Anthony's Cathedral of Liturgical House of Studies, and their sponsor, the Ecumenical Catholic Church of Christ, visit ecumenicalccc.org. This show, in cooperation with the Ecumenical Church of Christ, was produced by Ricky Insunza and Marty Arredondo of Nightwork Audio, Springtown, Texas.